and welcome to the Lock In Podcast, the show that lifts the lid on life in the pub trade by those working in it. On the morning advertisers, Ed Bennington, and with me as ever are my two delightful co-hosts, Nikki Thatcher and Heath Ball. Heath Ball is an award-winning operator. Although that said, when exactly was it that you last won an award, Heath? It, it, it. It. I mean, we go on about you being award-winning, but it's been a while now, hasn't it? I mean, it's uh, you can't keep trading off these past glories. Like, you know I mean, I suppose you win one Oscar, you don't need another one. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, or have I you mean, just gone downhill since then? Is that what it is? Fuck off! <laughs> I'm more fastidious about my standards than ever. I mean, it's just yeah, but it's just it's it's it's. We can't keep calling you an award-winning. I mean, yes, you are the reigning pub personality, <laughs> uh, mainly because that's gone bust and no one does it anymore. Yeah. However, uh, yeah, okay. yeah, we need to see we need to see some trophies, Heath. Come on. Well, I don't know. Like, I can't keep like, calling you award-winning anymore. Yeah, but well, I don't know. Like, what, like, what sort of trophies do you want? Well, like, I don't know. Ones Anything? with awards on. Uh, I mean, you could win a pub quiz, I suppose. Then we could call you award-winning. Fuck. I'm sorry, guys. I'll try harder. Indeed. Sorry to let the team down. Uh, and Nikki Thatcher is the news editor of the morning advertiser and was recently celebrating the news that one of her celebrity crushes has recently announced Fuck. the demise of his relationship <laughs> so dark, with his partner. I mean, ghoulish or what, Nikki? <laughs> I, I mean, the marital bed is not even cold. I didn't that might be why the, they spur up, I don't know. Celebrating? It was just an observation. Uh, uh, you, there was a glee and a, oh I mean, the, the delight. The fact you sent everyone the same I'm message. so scared next time he's in the pub. Um, I'm going to be like... Look, I have not been there when he's been there and I think that's really unfair I'm not ringing you up and telling he's in the pub yes you are and hold him there until I get there we're starting to to get into jigsaw identification here guys and uh, I mean I was going to say that Nikki has a large number of celebrity crushes so we're fairly safe on that but you might have just given the game away a little bit with that one so thank you for that but um, I mean it's it's your husband I feel sorry for who? yeah exactly (laughs) joking love you He doesn't listen. <laughs> like to he listens. <laughs> Only if he's, I make him. He's not one of our six listeners. No. Anyway, moving on, we've got a great episode lined up in which we're going to be discussing all things fish and chip related. A staple of the pub menu, it's rare that you'll find a food focused pub that doesn't do fish and chips. And this is actually is a subject that Heath has actually got quite excited about, uh, which I, I don't think I've ever seen him so engaged with a podcast. I just no. thought, no, just no, no, I thought I'd do my research because I said, well, you did actually You really did some. Detailed research. I ate as well. fish and chips twice in one week, yeah. which is a record for me. Mm. I mean, you went to Tom Carriage in Harrods. I mean, it's a hard life, isn't it? It's, uh... it well, they made me queue. Um, <laughs> and I did the Golden Hind down in Marlborough. Okay, so how, how was it? What, what did your research reveal? Well, a. It's a tough one. You're like, I don't want to slag Tom off, and I'm, I'm sure he does really well out of the Harrods concession, but fuck. <laughs> like, like it's, it, the whole thing, the whole. It's not. Harrods food hall, whatever they, the restaurant hall, is not designed for people who, who like me who like food and drink. It's it's designed for people with lots of money who have no fucking idea about anything who shop at Harrods and want to eat really expensive food in Harrods and say they eat really expensive food in Harrods. So, which is why you want to get that. Well, I went there. I went there with a mate of mine who's in the industry as well, and we 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 got there and you queue up to get in. And they go, where do you want to eat? Cause, you know, different experiences and I said, Oh, we want to do that. We want to do Tom Carriages. And they said, okay, 45 minute wait. It's three o'clock on a Wednesday. So I'm thinking, mm-hmm. fucking hats That's off good. to him. He's yeah. killing it. Like, do yeah, you know what yeah, I mean? Yeah, yeah. So, you know, and I know in the industry we always give big numbers out and it's never that much. Mm-hmm. So after 15 minutes we get seated. Um yeah, it was packed. 
like it's busy you can't deny it and it's you know we had a family of Americans next to us father the wife and three daughters and they're all tucking into it and I'm thinking man you must be you're carrying some wedge if you come to holidays and you're having fish and chips at Harrods it's 37 quid plus service charge to have fish and chips at Harrods mm. and your, your little daughter over here is not eating all that you know what I mean like so Were you eyeing up her fish and chips <laughs> no not really um, the thing is he's using a gluten free batter and that's probably the safe way to go mm. With, mm. With, with that but the reality is and I'm sorry Tom if you ever listen to this but you probably don't it's not great it's it's really hard here's one of our five six okay. listeners by it, the way it's, it, the flavour's not great mm. um and I didn't see anybody. I would have liked to have seen someone battering fish. And I didn't. You don't see that. There's a little corner over there you can't see. And it's all. But it, it looks like it's Harrod staff delivering his his vision. His, yeah. his vision. Right, okay. And I, th- yeah, yeah. I think that's with all the restaurants mm-hmm. there. So mm-hmm. he puts his name to it, and he goes to the recipe, and they basically cook it. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I, I did like it. Like, it's expensive, and the day boat fish that day was haddock. Mm-hmm. It wasn't any of the fancy fishes I was sort of expecting okay. so you, you know you, you're up 43 quid well 42 something with service on fish and chips I mean you are generally the most hypercritical person I've ever known yeah but that's why it's very why, difficult but to... that's why I took a friend with me who's not such an arsehole <laughs> <laughs> and who's a bit more oh, I don't know about that who's a bit more measured than me is he? and you know we he's po- Australian as well he's Australian he? yeah, I'm a yeah. Kiwi so <laughs> you know what I mean so yeah like what I, did he think well, he didn't like it either are you just saying no, 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 I, I could get him on here, but he didn't like it either. And I think the thing was, I was my expectations, I thought, you know what, if we're going to do a podcast on fish and chips, I want to go and try what you'd think for £37 would be the best fish and chips in the country. Mm. And you'd think if you had a concession at Harrods and you're doing that, you'd want to represent the best fish and chips in the country because this is, you know, the great Harrods and you're one of the, the best chefs in the country. So your fish and chips should be banging. And it was really disappointing. Mm. And I, whether my expectations, which happens a lot with customers, were so high that they didn't meet. But the, just using a the batter just didn't make sense to me. It was like if I ground up cornflakes and added milk and then put them in the freezer, the fridge, and then took it out and put it around the fish and deep fried it. It just it didn't I didn't I didn't enjoy it. No. Um, what about the golden hind? So I went to the golden hind on Friday. I was trying to find somewhere close. Um, I took another friend who's a Kiwi to there. Um, they cook in... Is there any Antipodean people you allow to get yeah, on these trips? But I, I asked, what they, I asked the, the waitress at Carriages what they cook at the oil, and she said it was rapeseed oil, and in the Grown Nine, they use a ground nut oil. So I went there, and the fish was really great. Mm. The fish we had, they do different sizes, and, you know, it was busy. The room shit, not as glamorous as Harrods. Um, <laughs> Swings around about. Yeah, no shit. Yeah, you know, yeah. really bad furniture from, like, the 80s. It was like, oh, it was horrible. But the chips are rubbish. Like, mm. absolutely. They were cardboard. There was no flavour in the chips. But the fish was amazing. Mm. And we, oh, at both places, had prawn cocktails. At Tom, I had the 23-pound prawn cocktail. Yeah. Um, at the Golden Hind, I had the £6.95 cocktail, which is basically, you know, frozen Atlantic prawns are dragged out and through. But it was, you know, £6.95, and it was generous. And, you know, um, but I think the fish was better at the Golden Hind, mm. and the chips were better at Tom's. The prawn cocktail was better at the Golden Hind, but it's very two different markets. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? My bill yeah, for you the Golden benchmark against yeah. each other. Yeah, exactly. The, the, yeah. the Golden Hind bill was seventy-seven quid. Tom Carriages with a lovely bottle of Chablis was two hundred and forty <laughs> quid. So you know, but yeah, it was. Did, it was, did you share the Chablis? Yeah, well, yeah, yeah, I did, we're, yeah. We're but it, you know, it was interesting because you know you'd think you know the best of British Harrods should be. I, I should have walked away and gone. 
Man, that's some, that's proper fish and chips. I mean, the tarot, it, it's, yeah. Yeah, it, it, and it's it, touristy it, as hell. But, yeah. but also I mean, when you think fish and chips, okay, where do I think I'm going to get the best fish and chips? I wouldn't necessarily think Harrods. I would think a, fi- a really good fish and chip shop or fish and chip yeah, was, restaurant. Yeah, I, I, I Googled like that. I would yeah. think fish and chip pub, best pub for fish and chips. You'd be thinking Harry Ramson's, wouldn't you? I probably would. That, would you? Yeah. Oh, no. God, but, it, you know, but it's interesting because that, that is, you know, he gets a lot of stick for it being 37 quid. And, but I'm sure a lot of that's dictated by Harrods. Mm. You know, they go, well, this is the price point we want to be at. And, and he's probably on a, a nice percentage deal. So, mm. you know, it's a win-win for him. But, you know, me, if they said, you've got a concession at Harrods, man, I'd be, I'd be dressed up like a fish out the front with a sign you know uh, the best fish and chips you know what I mean but yeah you'd be you, you know, know what I, I would I would love Harris to do that just to see that yeah. but you can sort of you know it like Harrods you know and the, the annoying thing about Harrods and this is just another observation if you want to go to the toilet at Harrods and you're in the in the restaurant hall you've got to fucking walk a long way <laughs> and if you've had a couple of pints of Guinness beforehand <laughs> and a bottle of Chablis and you're having your fish and chips you go I need to go for a quick wee man you're walking mm-hmm. my so mate was like generally are you coming back where are you I'm like I'm somewhere at so first what, floor what you're saying is it's like going to a Weatherspoons oh, yeah. no what it is is it's, 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 it's a very glamorous food hall do you know what I mean? And yeah. that's what it is. And it should be taken for they that. Could have, they could have put some porcelain on the side. Yeah. Just I just, it, you know what I mean? It is what it is. But, you know, I wouldn't say to someone, look, I wouldn't say to someone, you need to go and do that. Because yeah. it's going to, I'm sure if you went to the Hand and Flowers and had the fish and chips, mm. maybe you want to take me. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think Tom will let you in after this. <laughs> I don't think so. <laughs> I think we're that good. Like, like, I'm a social hand grenade anyway. Um, Last time you went to the Hand and Flowers, you insulted his burger. No, that was, been that, back, that was the coach. That was oh, the top 50 thing. But, but, I think, you know, if you went to the Hand of Flowers and you had, like, you know, what Tomo was saying and listening to what they're going to talk about later, is you, you'd probably have a really great fish and chips. Yeah, yeah. Do you absolutely. know what I mean? I think, I mean, we've let Heath carp on a lot about this. Oh, so let's, oh uh, let's, let's the move on. Um, we have got some great guests lined up today. Uh, we're going to be speaking to top operator Jonathan Greatrix of the Hand in Clenarmon, an author of Food of the Cods. You see what he did there? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, pun, yeah, 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 but that was a good one. Uh, Dan Gray, about why we're so passionate about fish and chips. We'll be talking about how to get it right with Andrew Crook president of the National Federation of Fish Fries and Paul Winfield of the Cock and Magpie in Butley. We'll also be taking a look at the costs and supply changes and supply challenges rather with Seafish's Andy Gray, Potato Grower Alex Moore and Tom DeKaiser of the Tom Kerridge Group. Awkward. Uh, and <laughs> Tom is a great guy. Leave him alone. Fortunately, he didn't hear what you said about... Anyway, yeah, we'll move <laughs> on. Off. And finally, we'll be looking at the sustainability side of things with Lauren Hiller of the Marine Stewardship Council and Phil Taylor of Open Seas. So lots going on. But before all that, let's just have a, a chat about what's going on. Um, I think we, we saw a, a story this week. 25 quid for a uh, uh, pub quiz charge to, to join a pub quiz in Notting s- Hill I mean and a 70 pound bar tip for the winners hang on a minute so hang on you pay 25 quid each to, to each person so there's not a team charge no per person per person and, and you yeah, get and the, and the overall prize was you get one drink with that I don't know what the caveat on the drink is you get one drink and the overall I mean, prize it's Notting is Hill. it could be like yeah. 15 quid a pint no, probably yeah but, and the overall prize is 70 pound bar tab. Wow. Per person or no, for no, the no, for the team. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I can't imagine people will be falling all over they, themselves. But it's Notting Hill, 
they wear you red could do it too. Like, couldn't you? I would not. I, no, A, I would never do it. I, I think you should do a pub quiz. You love pub quizzes. Do you not remember that episode yeah. we did before all about pub quizzes? You had a I great time. I, I, I think I'd love to say it. But that's criminal. Do you know what I mean? Like, and I'm sure they're packed as well. <laughs> Well, I mean, we, need to, we need to look into this, yeah. don't we? I well, mean, I'm not going. Well, let's let's go. Let's do it. Well, 25 um, quid. Yeah, I think we could win. Oh, I probably I wouldn't come. I think we might. I wouldn't. I'm not very good shit. at pub Yeah, you'd, I mean, you'd, you'd, no. be, you'd hold us back from our true potential. I mean, when, to be fair, I, I think know, it was me on. was the worst one you, in the pub you quiz. You did come last. Uh, yeah. Oh, so yeah, he's me and you need to go. It was tough questions, wasn't it? It was tough questions about stuff we'd written about. No, I've got a story to bring up. Oh, go on then. So this was a story about a pub in Australia. Yeah. <laughs> and so Peace home country. Yeah, you should know. Yeah. Pub fight was fined thousands because they were offering women free drinks based on their bra size. Oh. What are your thoughts about that? That's so Australian. <laughs> That's so Australian. Man. The next thing you know, they'll be making you drink a goldfish in a cocktail. <laughs> the Aussies generally are about 100 years behind the rest of the world, aren't they? Yeah, I just thought that's incredible. Yeah. Incredible. Okay. Yeah, okay. So hang on, it was a free drink based, based on your, on your bra, bra size. size. Based, so, well, how did that work? Yeah, I think we need what to you, hear the you, rules here. Um, so hang bad. on a minute. So, if A cup, one free drink. <laughs> B cup, two free drinks. C cup, three free drinks. It, it only goes up to C. Yeah. Fuck. I mean, it's it's sizest for a start. Yeah. Um, it's sexist. And There's I'd, so many things. I'd only get it. one free drink myself. So. <laughs> How busy were uh, they? Did it say it was rammed every night? No, or? I don't, it didn't. It didn't, didn't say anything about that. Yeah, but shocking. they did. So they did. Um, they were fined, and then they did cancel the promotion as following feedback from their community. <laughs> it's like, do they not? Do they? Do you think I can see their management meetings? Yeah, mate, that's great. Let's do it. Should we ask? Should we ask? Uh, our wives? Nah, mate. It's <laughs> a great idea. Let's not ask any anyone. female members of staff whether we think this will be a flyer. Trace, we've got an idea, yeah. but you don't need to know about it. We're just going to put a sign up. You'll be okay with it, yeah? <laughs> um, we've got Brewdog slashing prices for under 25. That's 50, ages. 50% off every Sunday from 4pm to close. That's, I mean, that's bullshit. So, like, well, I mean, it's a great way to encourage young people back into the pubs. Yeah. It Possibly like not within the licensing rules. Maybe I don't know. I'm encouraging them to drink. I know it's, it's just a bit like. Are you just jealous because you're not in that age? I was going to say. Is that I what do, it is? I do, a, I, would, I like don't drink there. Well, I have. You do. Yeah. Well, you guys you maybe do, do when a we podcast. Uh, podcast yeah, 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 yeah. Okay. But it's just you know what I mean. Love like, that how do they get away with it? Like, okay. uh, you know what though? I'm, I'm going to invest in some new fake ID. I'm not sure you'd get away with it. It's got to be worth a shot, hasn't it? Mate, I think we should mate, all do it. Let's you, all you get need, some fake ID. Mate, Let's get need, in there. You need, I'm under bef- 25. Before Look. you do that, you need to go to Turkey. You need to get your teeth done, <laughs> your hair done. You need to join a oh, gym. Oh, that's rich. <laughs> yeah, <come laughs> mate, there's no way they're going to think. What, what your age is it? Under 30? Under 25. There's only Look, one of us three that's going to get away with it. I've got <laughs> you look like you're 12 anyways. So exactly, you know I mean. so I'll be fine. Yeah, I was going to make a joke. I won't know. I mean, I'll get some back to black. Yeah, just for men, whatever it is. Yeah, I don't even know what that is. If there's a thunder, if there's a rain, colours your hair. Oh. Gets rid of the greys. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, just might be yeah, a bit beyond that. Give up on it. Anyway, um, I think we're, we're we're pretty much out of time, but I think we do have to touch on the fact that. Um, he did get a review in which he was referred to as a very angry little man. 
this week, which has basically made Nikki and I's week already. And it's she only a, a Monday. She was a horrible little woman. <laughs> a very angry little woman. She was stealing but drinks. she's nailed you. She's nailed you. Yeah, I was you. angry. She went to our margarita cart helped herself to a drink and got upset when we said, what the fuck are you doing? But it's just, it's the way that she described you so well in that review that I can actually picture the way that you were just, just getting so angry about it, telling think, all the stars about think, it. No, think Jason Statham meets John Cleese and Faulty Towers <laughs> and that's where I was at in anger. Um, I was raging. I was like, what the fuck, what? Well, Jason Statham because he's got a similar Jason, hairstyle Yeah, that's it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Jason Statham's let himself go a little bit. <laughs> fuck off. <laughs> Got a bit older, shrunk a little bit. He's the same age as me. Oh. Um, but yeah, like, she helps what herself. So wrong? What, was excuse, right. it, what was the excuse she had for helping herself to drink? There was no, there was sign. no sign. Oh yeah. So what did yes. you do? I went and made a sign, and then she got upset that I put a sign on the machine. <laughs> because it was quite an aggressive sign, didn't she say? It, yeah, it was something like "these aren't free." Like I was been bold. Didn't and, say "fuck off." These aren't free. Basically, yeah. like fuck. <laughs> you angry she's, little then, woman. She, then she's gone and written this TripAdvisor review, <laughs> and she's obviously done it after a couple of drinks. Well, she had been drinking all day. Well, the margaritas. Yeah, say, yeah, 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 and she's written, just, just spell check it. I'm not a great speller, but like I'm like, yeah, that's not a word. Um, <laughs> And she, so my reply will be posted shortly, and um, yeah, we shall look forward to that. Yeah. Well, I think on that note, we'll uh, we'll part that one there. You're listening to the Lock In Podcast, and we're talking about fish and chips. To help us with that, I'm delighted to welcome two great guests, top operator Jonathan Greatrix of The Hand in Clenarmon. I'm going to mangle that. What's that? Is it Clenarmon or...? No, it's not bad at all. It's Clenarmon, yeah. That's, Clenarmon, that's good. okay, yes, yeah. That's, uh, Nicky, don't look at me like that. <laughs> and we also have the author of a fantastic book, among others, Food of the Cods. It's only Daniel Gray as well. So, Daniel, thanks for joining us. Thanks for having me on. Good stuff. Great. Um, let's start with you, Jonathan. Um, I mean, we're, we're talking all things fish and chips here. Why do you think it's such an important part of the pub menu? Um, is it something you'd ever take off? No, absolutely not. I mean, I think it's, it's, it's the classic British dish, isn't it, really? I mean, what, what better than, you know, sort of freshly battered haddock, uh, freshly cooked chips... I mean, it, life does not get better than that, really, does it? <laughs> so it's definitely a, it's a permanent fixture on, on your menu, is it? Very much so, yeah. I mean, it's it really is. It's absolutely a staple for us, it, along with our sort of pies. Um, you know, it's, it's just... It, Excellent. And, and Dan, so talk us, uh, talk us through, you've written a book about this. Um, I mean, yeah. why, why the love affair with fish and chips? Why, why write a book about it, in fact? You know, this book has been probably the longest in the making of any book I've done because it started on a wall outside the village chippy when I were a lad, basically, waiting for three scraps. <laughs> sounding really like the Four Yorkshiremen sketch immediately. But um, <laughs> scraps as in the little morsels of battery delight rather than a fight, I should, I should add. Um, <laughs> and it's, that, it's how evocative they are, how, how I can I really struggle to walk past a fish and chip shop if it smells you know, the same as it did when I was a child. It's, so it's really about evoking those memories and celebrating the, the delights of chippies and, and fish and chips and they do mean so much to so many of us um, and I found that I travelled all around the country Scotland uh, north of England down to the Rhondda Valley and Devon and London and, and um, you know one of the loveliest things was the different the regional variations so you mentioned haddock there whereas obviously mm. cod's in the book's t- title but there's 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 
divides on that that you know across the country and there's divides in the way we eat them and how we garnish them and the, I just thought it, it was a really lovely thing to see the, the diversity as you do as you get when you travel around pubs the diverse amount of pubs there are so tell us a bit about that then the haddock and, and cod I mean what, what where is that divide why and why is that it, well, haddock certainly in Scotland and the West Riding of Yorkshire, they stuck to their haddock. Rest of Yorkshire main, mainly cod. I, I, I've ne- nothing beyond taste. There's no structural reasons for that now, given that our fish come from all over. It just seems to. And in London, there's more on on the menu generally. You might get pollock, you know, all sorts of, of things like that. And the, the, one of the most interesting thing about these intricacies is they are just, they just seem to have been built out of custom and, and and being quite random almost. It's just how we like them round there. Yeah, yeah. I mean, there's fish and chips. I mean, it could be any fish. I mean, Heath, what, what do you serve in, in your pub? Haddock. Haddock. Yeah. Exclusively haddock, or do you, do you ever go Yeah, mainly else? haddock. You know what I mean? We'll move to cod sometimes if the haddock's not looking good. Or, But yeah, mainly haddock. Mm. Have, have either you, Heath, or Jonathan had to make any changes to your traditional fish and chips because of rising costs at the moment? Um, not really. I mean, we, we've absorbed a lot of the costs, you know, sort of oil as we all know went through the roof uh, energy as we all know went completely through the roof um so but but no i mean in fairness we we used to use m and j seafood of course and they they went pop uh so that that caused a bit of a headache we, we then managed to find a really good supplier um and, and to be honest with you touch wood i'm gonna template but actually it's it's not been too bad thus far but you never know mm, what about you Heath? um i stopped using oil um it just got I went down the rabbit hole on oil and what it's actually made of and it's just shit they basically use just fill it full of chemicals and, and especially with you know genetically modified ingredients that some of the producers are trying to farm off and I just I, I spent a lot of time looking at it and then I, I read quite a bit about beef dripping and I moved over to beef dripping for my fish and chips just just, just going back to the, the is this your tin hat um, thing again you know, seriously you go and, no but you go and, you, like some suppliers so you buy vegetable at 20 quid for 20 litres or whatever and then well, I've got one supplier who would charge me 57 quid and then you read what's in it and it's like anti-agent foaming shit and it's not it's not vegetable anymore it's a science project for some company and I just thought nah fuck this and then I thought we don't we, we use shared fryers anyway so we're cooking chicken wings and we're pulling schnitzels and so they're not veggie friendly anyway mm. you know what I mean so I just went well you know and then I read more about beef dripping and and the flavour it gives is another level. Mm. Like the chips are amazing, the fish tastes amazing. It, like it's another level. I don't, you know, I don't know what Dan thinks about that because he's obviously. I, I agree, and um, that's another uh, geographical divide. You won't find much beef dripping in London, <laughs> mm. <laughs> and uh, that's that seems to start as you cross into Yorkshire and Lancashire and things. So, they're the, the clinging on to the traditions there more. I, I would say, yeah, absolutely. It makes sense financially as well. Like, you know, since not many people use it, it's not expensive. It's more natural. It's the right type of fat. Um, is it, it easy to get hold of? Though? Yeah, it's easy to get hold of. Mm. Like it's, it is. It's like well, we'll be talking to the uh, National Federation of Fish Fries later, so we'll, we'll get. That's easy for you to say. We'll get their thoughts <laughs> on, on that. But um, I mean, Dan, is that something that, that, that you've kind of looked into in terms of that that sort of level of detail of oil and, and, and fat and things like that? 
I mean, my, mine's very much the romantic book. There are really well done books by academics on on fishing chips. But mine's very much uh, that celebrating the shops really and the, the the rituals around them and the customs and things. But you can't help but avoid thing. You can't avoid things like the, the, the oil price rises you've mentioned. Mm. You know, friars were telling me three times, four times increases in potato costs and things like that. So that's something yeah. right across both your industries, I think. And, and Dan, I mean, you, you've you've obviously focused on the on the the fish and chip shop, the the, the traditional chippy. But I mean, it's it, it, did did you look at the pub sector? I mean, do you have any thoughts on that? Why why are pubs? Why is it such a staple of pubs as well? I I, I went. I decided not to do that because I think it's a separate thing. I'm a great lover of fish and chips in pubs. It's probably my n- number one thing on the menu. To, unsurprisingly, perhaps with a good a good pint of of pale ale, I think it's a wonderful thing. Um, but I just thought I've got to keep this about one ticket thing. Or I could go on forever and and never finish but yeah I mean well done fish and chips in the pub I suppose the the one uh, as the consumer the one slight difference is often you don't get chippy chips in a pub very often no, you, don't. you have to be strong on your own type of chip and it can work and, I've had, you know, and, and the beer batter thing you don't hear many chippies talking about beer batter but certainly on the pub menu they want yeah. you to know it's beer batter don't what are, chi- what are chippies using then what are they using for a batter Oh, if only they would give the secrets away and I could try and make them <laughs> but do you know it's, it's another of the varied pictures of family secrets and all of the rest it's quite one of those endearing romanticism that I liked really and, and I mean we think of fish and chips as, as quintessentially English but the reality is like, like most things we've, uh, we've nicked it from other cultures I mean do you know much about the background and, and the history of fish and chips now? yeah absolutely and, and the, the way the, the argument rages as to who first paired them probably in London but us northerners would say possibly in Moseley near, near Oldham uh-huh. I, went to, to, I went to all of those places to try and see if there was a blue plaque there is a blue plaque in Oldham on where the first chips might have been sold which is good but sadly there isn't one in London where they were probably brought together and of course, yeah, the, the deep frying of fish is probably a Jewish thing, East End of London. Chips mm. probably Belgian or French. So it's one of the great stories. The great national symbol comes from all over. Yes, yeah, yeah, like, like many things. <laughs> so, I mean, uh, l- let's get into the nitty-gritty tartare or not, uh, Heath. I, oh, we put it on on, yeah. the, on the side, but yeah, we have that. Yeah, Jonathan, are you, uh, are you a tartare man or...? Uh, uh, absolutely. In fact, it's, it's made by our fabulous kitchen porter, so it is Alaria's tartar sauce, um, mm-hmm. and, and it's, it's on the menu as that. So, yeah, and that's a big shout-out to Alaria there. <laughs> <laughs> and, and I have to ask a question. What the fuck is the point of mushy peas? I, I just don't, I don't get it. <laughs> Aesthetics. <laughs> Aesthetics? You know, you like something green on the plate. Makes yeah, people feel good. Oh, about yeah, what? that peas? makes sense. Peas is fine. Mushy peas. Yeah. I mean, it's like taking a pea and just... <laughs> Mushing it. Yeah, just yeah. ruining it. Mm. No? Is that I, just me? I, avoid, I avoided the temptation to write about when Peter Mandelson allegedly asked for some guacamole in the chip shop back in the 90s. <laughs> 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 what a wanker. I never found out if that was true, so I thought I'd better leave it. What a wanker. <laughs> <laughs> uh, brilliant. And, um, I mean, Dan, just, just leave, you focused on the, on the chip shop. I mean, we talk about pubs having a hard time and we're seeing less and less pubs. Is it the same in the fish and chip shop sector? Are we seeing a sort of uh, a drop in numbers and things like that yeah and I think as the person from the National Federation of, of Fish Fries will tell you there's rarely been tougher times for them and mm. I you know, saw plenty of closed signs and for sale signs as I travelled but as with good pubs good chippies are surviving chippies that do it right and do it well we're, we're beyond in many places the, the £10 barrier for fish and chips which feels psychologically difficult but you know I've paid £6 for a pint lately so we're both <laughs> the things we love are, are all going that way aren't they um, and yeah I think good ones are surviving and they've had these periods of crises throughout history and, and they do come out fighting on, on the other side I think mm. there are 
here to stay and that beautiful smell is here to stay mm, fantastic and and Jonathan Heath I mean how, how much of a proportion of your uh, of your food volumes is, is fish and chips how, what, what, what does that represent on you I think it's at the I think it's the third you about to say don't quote me then won't you? no I was going to say I think it's the third biggest it depends on what's on the menu but it always sits about number three in terms of sales yeah. main course sales so you'd never take it off is it I take always it off, on I take it off on a Sunday you take it off on a Sunday yeah, yeah we're just too okay. busy so we just need to focus on what we're doing yeah, um, yeah you don't need to be standing there dipping batter and you know battering to order it's messy when you're busy you know what I mean yeah, just yeah. trying to knock out yeah. hundreds of roast dinners and, and Jonathan what about you what, what's it what's, what's it represent I mean, I mean, our venues, our, our menus very varied. And it, it changes every day, so it's, it's in two halves. So we've got the sort of more anacarty sort of, uh, you know, sort of, sort of, you know, venison in, 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 in red wine or whatever mm. on, on, on one side, and many of the other sides are sort of the, the more pubby dishes. Um, and I'd say, from the pubby dishes point of view, it probably represents well, I don't know, probably 25, 30 percent of what we sell on there. So, mm. so yeah, I mean, it's it's an it's an important one to us. It really is. Um, but but also, you know, we we tend not to do it on Sunday just because it's just too busy and, yeah. and the Sunday, which is, you know, mm. just sell. So, yeah. Fantastic. Okay, guys, well, we are out of time, but thank you very much for that. is the Lock In Podcast with myself, Ed Beddington, Heath Ball and Nikki Thatcher. We're talking about fish and chips in this episode and we're now going to take a look at what makes a great offer. I'm delighted to welcome Andrew Crook, President of the National Federation of Fish Fryers and Paul Winfield, Licensee of the Cock and Magpie in Budley. So thanks for joining us guys, really appreciate you you're getting involved. Um, Andrew, let, let's start with you. You run the National Fish and Chip Awards. What makes a great fish and chips would you say? I've, I get asked this quite a lot, and I think it's it's always down to the operator. It's about um, having a constant desire to improve and trying new things, and, and never accepting second best. So you've always got to be looking for uh, slight tweaks that'll just improve the product and and just keep your customers happy. Um, so I think that's what it comes down to. And one of the key things that people often overlook is looking after the oil as well, because that's one of the key ingredients. You you can't cook good fish and chips in bad oil. So um, yeah. that's my standard answer. Well, and what is what is good oil? Because we had a little bit of discussion about this uh, in, in one of the other segments for the, for the podcast. What makes good oil? Would you say? Uh, brand new oil is probably not ideal you need oil that's just broken in so it's, it's all about how you manage your oil you have a oil management regime where you just keep your oil in that sweet spot that just produces great fish and chips and uh, keeps a, enough color in there without it looking too anemic and you know it's, it, it's just about keeping the oil just at that peak condition and, and what's yours with, with I mean Heath, Heath was an oil user uh, he's now switched <laughs> makes him sound slightly dodgier than I normally make him sound however uh, he's now switched to uh, beef uh, beef dripping so what, what's your thoughts on, on, on beef dripping well as a Lancastrian I should like uh, oil or palm oil veg oil but I have to say I do like fish and chips cooked in beef dripping. I do, I do think that's the pinnacle of fish and chips. And is, is it some, is it quite common in, in I mean you, you you obviously represent more the fish and chip shop sector. I mean is it is it a more common is are we seeing more more operators shifting to that? Obviously the price of oil has gone through the roof. Has that had an impact? No, it's not down to oil. It's about what your consumers expect. So I run a fish and chip shop mm. uh, and I use uh, Hyalate sunflower oil. 
but I'd love to use Big Tripping. I've got another shop that I rent out, and if I was going to open it, it closed down for about 18 months, and I've just let somebody else take over the lease. And if I was going to open it myself, I'd do that in Big Tripping because I just love it. Mm. Well, there you go, Heath. I've vindicated well, uh, your, your, your argument earlier about Will. So, uh, yeah. um, <laughs> in, in terms of um, the, the, the awards itself, Andrew, I mean, do you see how do you see pubs and their fish and chip offer versus the more traditional fish and chip shops? Are we are pubs giving fish and chips a run for their money, or, or is it uh, is it a, absolutely no contest whatsoever? I think I think pubs do a great job. I mean, I'm down in London tonight. I've got an awards down in London, and every pub we go into smells of scampi and fish and chips. <laughs> I, I think they do a, a better job than they have been doing for for years. I think. Um, technology's improved, the equipment's improved and, and the knowledge of the operators have improved so I do think they do great fish and chips I just think on volume I think fish and chip shops can produce more fish and chips because we've got the the frame ranges we, we can we can put out more volume mm. um, but I do think uh, things have improved and I think you know everybody loves fish and chips and it's a great way especially in London tourists come down and it's their first introduction to fish and chips and I think the pubs do a great job for us Fantastic and, and Paul let's come to you here because I mean you've actually come up with the uh, uh, the, the perfect solution to this or, or, or scam whichever way you want to look at it you've, you've basically so Paul has a has a pub on the river in uh, Bewdley right next door to an award winning fish and chip shop and uh, rather than actually produce his own fish and chips uh, you've simply knocked a hole in the wall and you get it from them is that, that's not a fair summary Paul that's basically um, that's basically what I did yeah um, it, it was um, about 14 years ago um, I've, it's a very small pub that I've got and um, the kitchen was tiny so our food offering had got to be um, there was nowhere to put extraction fans or anything like that so it was it was snacks like sandwiches and things like that and um, when merchants that's the name of the fish and chip shop next door um, when they won the best British fish and chip shop, I thought, hmm. So I said to um, Jerry, um, he's actually uh, Greek Cypriot who owns the mm. fish and chip shop, and uh, um, I call him Jerry, but only because I can't pronounce his um, name. <laughs> um, and I said to him one day, I said, how do you fancy um, uh, <clears throat> serving fish and chips direct to me? And he said, well, I, how would we do that? It'll be cold by the time we get it round. I said, no, I want to knock a hole through the wall at the back. <laughs> and um, he said, are you crazy? And I said, well, yeah, I am a little bit. <laughs> but um, uh, the funny thing was, he, um, I'd got the, all the hatch mate, because I knew he wasn't going to um, uh, say no. And I'd got all the uh, hatch already made to just slot into position. And within the hour, after he'd said yes, uh, the hatch was there. Um, <laughs> So people come into the pub and they uh, we've got fish and chips and other things, scampi and uh, uh, the pies on our menu, along with other things that we do, um, pizzas being uh, one of them. Um, uh, they um, uh, a customer will come in, they ask for fish and chips. Um, on our bar, we've uh, the little printer. I've got a printer in the fish and chip shop, so. If they order fish and chips, we just put it onto the um, onto the till, and the ticket comes through into the shop. Uh, they see it, they make it, and they pass it straight through to straight through the hatch, and then we take it straight to the customers. Um, it's um, the, 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 one of the best thing about it is, um, which is quite amusing. Um, a lot of people say to me, um, "How come your fish and chips are so much better than next door?" <laughs> <laughs> um, 
it's the alcohol and, and, going and, with them. It, it cracks me up every time. But they are, you know, when you go to a fish and chip shop, sometimes when you get, by the time you get it back home, it gets a, it, it steamed a bit in the paint, and, the, yeah. and, the, and the batter goes a bit mm. um, soft. Um, well, ours doesn't get wrapped up. Um, I provide the fish and chip shop with baskets, mm. and it all comes through. The batter's nice and crispy, and it's all. Um, it's they don't take it out of the cabinets. They t- they cook it fresh for us every time. Right. So there is a difference actually. Yeah, um, yeah. So yeah. That, uh, oh, and the other the great thing about it is because I don't. I don't employ a chef to cook the fish yeah. and chips. I don't hold any stock. Yeah. Um, I have no. I have no waste whatsoever. Huh? And because I'm buying hot food, I get the vat back. <laughs> what, Paul, is it for people to eat in the pub, or is it takeaway, or both, or? It's not takeaway. Um, we've got um, an outside space right on the river, so um, we don't. We've never done any takeaway. It's just literally all in the pub or outside on the benches. Mm. And and uh, just to clarify this, Paul. You charge how much more than the fish and chip shop next door for the for the same product? I double up. <laughs> <laughs> so you uh, double up. Uh, you've got none of the costs, none of the hassle, none of the stuff. I mean, he. It sounds brilliant. I think, I'm a, saying, I'm, in, I think I'm a genius. <laughs> yeah, like, you're like you're like the rain man of pubs. <laughs> uh, but um, no, it is, it is a great thing, and I mean we're probably doing on average, I suppose. Um, a thousand pounds a week on average with the right. fish that I give them. Yes. Mm. Um, so it's, it's a great deal um, for mm. both of us, really. Mm. Um, it really is good. Yeah. Yeah. Andrew, sometimes I get a bit. Sometimes on a bank holiday, you can imagine they're. Act, I mean, they have queues, literally, fifty yards long, mm. and um, and my bell keeps on dinging, dinging, <laughs> dinging in the shop because I want fish and chips as well. And there's, and there's some people even they stand in the queue and they go oh we're not going to do this let's, let's go just go to Magpie yeah. and beat the queue <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's, uh, Andrew have you ever heard of any any other uh, pub fish and chip shop relationships like that yeah there's a few we've got a member in uh, Herefordshire that, that does a similar thing or they used to I'm not sure they've still got the same relationship with the new landlords but mm. sounds like I, I know merchants very well mm. I know the guys that run mm. it and you know they're great operators so it's great that you can team up and you know working yeah. together is, is a great thing especially yeah, yeah. when you get the VAT back as well <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. And, and, and being a bit more boring, actually, Andrew, you mentioned equipment earlier. You know, what what kind of equipment? I mean, we, we hear a lot about air fryers. Everyone's very excited about air fryers. <laughs> is, is that a viable option for, for, for pubs to consider as uh, as part of their sort of uh, equipment in the kitchen? Or, or is it just not practical? Uh, well, there's some commercial air fryers, but even even without the volume the efficient chip shop has to produce, you need a defat frying yeah. range, which can be £60,000, £70,000 plus, you know, depending on how many pounds you've got. Uh, so it's better to let us do the fish and chips and we'll supply you. That sounds perfect. Heath, <laughs> <laughs> what, what do you use in the, in the kitchen? Are you... Uh... Oh, we just deep fat fryers, Valentine deep fat fryers. Right, okay. Yeah, just not, not tempted to, to look at air fryers then, so no. no fuck off. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus Christ, I hate the air fryer. Can't get your beef dripping oh, out of air fryer, it's, it's pure hell. It's middle class hell from Amazon. <laughs> So, wow. I mean, Andrew, uh, we're almost out of time, but give me give me your top tip. What, what would be your top tip to any any pub operator and not to team up with a fish and chip shop down the road? <laughs> what would be your top tip for a, for an operator to, to get award-winning fish and chips? Uh, well, that's a difficult one. as I'm all about the independent fish and chip shops being a, a, a shop owner myself, but look after your oil, get 
some training. That, there's a lot of chefs coming to fish and chips that don't do very well. It is different to mm. we've got a lot of respect for what all the chefs do out there. But it is slightly different to so get some training, get the right equipment, and after your oil, that's that's the key. It's very true, isn't it? Because chips are never the same, are they? And it doesn't matter. You can you can do fish well, and I've been to many pubs that they've done fish really well, and you've got beer batter, you can do all sorts of options. But the chips just never quite hit well, them. The same up, as a chippy, yeah. And then no. it's different though. They use the way they use different chips. Mm. They cut them differently. Can you not? Can you not replicate that heat? I don't want to do fish and chip, <laughs> chip, chip shop chips. <laughs> I don't want to do chip, 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 chips. <laughs> that makes sense. Indeed. Oh, well, well, on that note, guys, we shall leave that there. But thank you very much. This is the Lock-In Podcast, and we're talking about fish and chips. We're going to take a look at the supply challenges we're now facing, and I'm delighted to welcome three great guests for that. We've got Andy Gray, a trade, managing mar- a trade marketing manager with Seafish, Alex Moore from the British Potato Trade Association, Agrico, and Tom DeKaiser from the Tom Kerridge Group. So, guys, thanks for joining us. Thank you for having us. Oh, so, let, let's have a look. Uh, great to be here. Thanks stuff we, we want to look at the supply challenges um tom let, let's start with you um costs have risen sharply um and you guys are, are at the high end already you're, you're an expensive uh, an expensive brand um famously the 37 pound chips at harrods which appreciate is uh, it was in harrods itself but what's what's the situation from your perspective how are you how are you finding things with with sourcing and, and increasing costs and things like that well i'll just go back to obviously phrase expensive brand i mean we're no we're at a high price point. I wouldn't say we're expensive. We charge what things cost. <laughs> Put my foot in it straight away. <laughs> but I mean, you know, we yes, we're a pub. Mm. So I mean, you know, we're on the more expensive side of pubs. Mm. But at the same time, we've got to remember we're in the two mission star pub. Yeah. We're the cheapest two mission star place in the whole country. So there's a are, bit of are a, there any other two mission star places in the country? There's no two mission <laughs> pubs in the world. But, if you but you're the cheapest. <laughs> If you compare us to other two mission star establishments, you know we're you know we're probably 20, 25 quid ahead cheaper. Yeah, yeah. I mean, how, how are you finding it though? Because I mean, you've you've got the I mean, you've got we joke. I mean, you you you've got much higher costs as well. Um, I mean, how are you finding the supply situation? Supply is you know it's it's harder than it has been um, with regards to you know fish. Just you know, there's a lot of demand as well, and you know down in down in the southwest. And a lot of the um, fish markets have sort of gone online. So there's like, you know, a, there's a lot more open to sort of bidding across the country. Mm. So that drives up demand, drives down supply. And obviously, you know, the, the price point is slightly higher. Mm. I mean, you know, we charge, there's this, you know, this thing about fish and chips should be a cheap dish. I mean, yeah, it's go down to the high street fish and chip shop where they've got blocks of white fish frozen at sea. No, fish and chips £12.50 whereas you know we go by the market so when we have fish and chips on the menu I'll speak to Johnny at Prime Fish in the morning what's the nicest baddest piece of prime white fish he's got you know whether it be turbot or grill and we'll charge accordingly mm. I mean people are happy to sort of you know turn their noses up at paying premium price for fish and chips you know a deep fried piece of turbot but people will happily pay for the same fish probably a much smaller portion cooked in a butter sauce where they'll happily pay 40-50 quid for that 
But, you know, when it gets to sort of, you know, the 30s and the 40s for deep fry fish, people tend to get a bit, you know, funny about it. So it's a bit of an inverted snobbery there. Um, I mean, Heath, what, what, what's, how are you finding it? What are, you, what are your we, well, situation we, supply-wise? We use flying fish as well, but we use haddock. We, mm. don't, we don't do the... I don't think my customers in Highgate, even though they're well-heeled, would appreciate 50-pound fish and chips. I think I'd be hung in the town square almost. So, you know, we, yeah, we use the, you know, fresh haddock. It's beautiful, but we managed to keep the price. But I don't charge as much as I really should for fish and chips. We're 20 quid. Mm. Um, but, you know, I really should be 25, 26 pounds yeah, yeah. To, to actually cover all the costs of making the dish. So, yeah, it's hard. Yeah, that's the thing there's a taboo about it, isn't there, that, you know, we sort of, especially with sort of dishes that people see as cheaper dishes, mm. we're a bit scared to. No, we do it with dishes as well. We're a bit scared to charge what we should be. Yeah. Everyone should be charging, you know, charging, you know. But we've had it come in, prime, amazing piece of fish, fresh that day. You know, there's no difference to someone having a grilled bit of haddock mm. they'll probably pay more for it and it'll probably be a smaller portion yeah yeah that's no, a fair point it's a fair point I mean Andy uh, you're, you're over at Seafish I mean how are you seeing the supply side uh, on, on that that front well, well just picking up there on the interesting point that Tom made about it uh, often being viewed as a cheap product in the eyes of the consumer uh, that is a really interesting uh, uh, issue so historically, seafood in the UK was traded locally, so it was a local buy and sell commodity. As we all now know, it's a worldwide commodity, uh, and that has hugely impacted supply, and demand and associated prices. And I think in the wider traditional fish and chip shop sector, uh, every town in High Street obviously got fish and chip shop businesses. If the business, if that business model was to start today, there's no way that they would be charging such low prices. Mm. And those base prices would be far higher. So I think it's an unfortunate uh, sort of uh, burden that the wider food service industry has in that many consumers think fish and chips should be cheap because it traditionally was cheaper. Mm. Uh, so that's looking back in the past, but that obviously influences where we're, uh, we're at just now. And then I think the other big... Uh, often misunderstanding in the consumer's eyes is with regards to that supply meeting that demand. So here in the UK, yes, we've got, for instance, a whitefish catching industry and we're catching cod and haddock, but we are catching it in such small numbers that we cannot meet that demand. Uh, so the bulk of the fish and chip industry, the, those traditional high street shops, they are having to meet their demand from customers through the supply of imported frozen at sea coming from countries such as Norway and uh, the Faroes and uh, Iceland. And again, as Tom mentioned, those uh, markets in the UK that are supplying what we would maybe refer to as, there's a lot of day boats, a lot of boats that are out fishing for a short period that are supplying prime, top quality fish. But it is a very competitive market when people are looking to buy that. And we've also got the the influence of even some other external UK buyers looking to buy from, from the UK. So we've got a small supply of whitefish species, cod and haddock and some other whitefish uh, species, but just doesn't meet the demand. Those prices are, are rising uh, and it's a bit of a competitive market if you are a food service operator. I mean, how sustainable is it then? I mean, are we, are we, I mean, you're talking about prices rising. Are we going to see sort of big hikes in pricing? I mean, do we need to see big hikes in pricing? I don't think we necessarily need to see big hikes in prices. It's just a very volatile market. It's, mm. If we think about what it is that we are talking about, what we're talking about people buying, it's a, 
it's in essence it's the last wild sourced foods that we consume yeah. on mass. There are lots of other wild sourced foods, but not uh, in such uh, a, a wide sense. And so for that reason, markets are volatile. If, for instance, a year in the UK, if weather is bad and boats aren't out fishing, uh, that's all going to uh, impact on the prices of product that does make it to market. Mm. So I think the world has to still accept that until we move to a model whereby everything was possibly cultivated or farmed, uh, where you can control the product uh, format, its associated price, mm. uh, you can uh, ignore or uh, rub out vagaries of seasonal supply. But that's not on the, on the whitefish front. There are small amounts uh, of uh, species such as cod being farmed, mm. but not the the demand that is out there. So, I mean, that's it's a fair point. It, it's a it's a, a variable product. Um, let's let's look at you know we've, we're talking about fish, but you can't have fish and chips without the humble potato. So, Alex, let's let's come to you. Um, we don't hunt potatoes in the wild, uh, fortunately. How are we? How is the potato supply side looking at the moment? What's what's going on with that? Well, well, I think I think sort of yeah, the, the the phrase "cheap as chips" um, <laughs> has always been sort of mm. knocked about. But I, I think we, we, we've quickly we've quickly in the last probably two years moved moved away from that. There isn't such a thing as as cheap as chips anymore. The, the cost pressures of of growing the the potatoes is, is so high that <clears throat> growers are generally. Um, really sort of analysing their production nowadays and looking at whether it stacks up financially for them against the 30% inflation that you're looking in agriculture at the moment. Um, so, and and historically, the values that have been paid for for potatoes in, in depending on whichever way you look at it, whether it's into into restaurants or into the supermarkets or, or the big processors, mm. they've generally only been mar- very marginal at best um, and it's not allowed people to reinvest. And, and, and generally growers have taken the options to go elsewhere and, and, and walk away from production. And, and on the back of that, we've seen big reductions in area across the UK and, and, and certain parts of the Europe has been, and further afield as well. And um, that's only going to drive price higher at the mm. moment, um, and and you can you can look at short term at the moment. We're looking, ooh, we're we're a UK industry really, and um, the weather has everything to play in what we do in terms of growing potatoes. I mean, I, I always say, would you go into Dragon's Den and say, I'm going to put I'm going to put 10 grand into the ground and wait and see what God produces from above to whether it grows or not to see whether I get a crop. Um, it's a pretty risky strategy from a grower's point of view, but that's mm-hmm. that's at the end of the day a lot of what it is, yeah. um, with, with a bit of science behind it. But I think I think where we're going is basically the risk reward has been out has, has not been in the favour of, of the producers recently, and that's why we're seeing where we're seeing the sort of costs go up and and the, and the area in the UK certainly reduced. And it's I think it will find a new balance, but the we're certainly not seeing the cheapest chips anymore we are seeing a more sort of one of our suppliers sort of use the term new reality the mm. so new reality of chips or, or sorry or bags of potatoes or frozen potatoes being if you work it back probably circa 100 pounds a ton more than what they used to be at the base level mm. um now depending on 
what restaurant or pub chain you are, whether, I don't know, I imagine in, in sort of Tom's high end, I, I imagine you're probably using fresh potatoes, fresh cut rather than frozen. Yeah, yeah. Every, you yeah. 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 And so, so that, that is it. Flux, yes. Hey, thoughts, hey, doing? Yeah, no, I'm just, uh, look, I was, and then for eight, for years I was, and then as the harvest, I just keep on finding the harvest as we come to the end, or I'm, I don't sure what the actual science behind it is that the starch levels kept on going up crazy and then we're frying and they're going like they're going like they look like sweet potato fries we keep on having a massive issue with it so yeah we do struggle quite a lot i agree with Heath with regards to starch and sugar content i think a lot of that was to do with sort of covid when no one was buying potatoes but potatoes were being kept and then they still, they still, sugar. They still keep them in silos yeah. don't, don't they for like a long time and then i find the season and yes then, yeah see Mm-hmm. Yeah, you'll, you'll harvest them like now, for instance, like September, October, even November if the weather's poor like it is at the moment, and you'll, you'll store them right the way through to July. So and that, mm. that's where you get the fluctuations in, in, in sugars and starch content. So some varieties, for instance, will store very well and can go long term, and some don't go. So, for instance, in COVID, you probably had varieties that weren't meant to store long term but because demand had been so poor they were having to be stored long term and that's where you would be getting the quality issues of, of, of sugaring at fry time and that and, and I think Hayes point there is it probably has driven you into having a frozen product yeah, as a rip it, and tip yeah it no did, waste no generally a bit more of a product it, it wound me up because I, I just got sick and tired of going to tables and customers go your chips your shit and you go, well, the hand cart, and you give me all the thing. They go, mm-hmm. it's still shit. So you know what I mean. <laughs> you can't really. So while while until the new harvest comes out, we've been buying the Kaufman's frozen ones. And the irony is, customers, oh, best chips ever. And you're like, fucking frozen. Do you know what I mean? Okay. Like, I ask you, uh, the frozen Kaufman's super product. Oh what? They're a great product. Yeah, they're, they're consistent, and you know that's that's what customers want. They want a consistent product. Yeah, I mean, Kaufman's have Kaufman's have been sort of ripped. Rip, they're ripping the book up in terms of what they're doing at the moment and, and offering. Um, a lot of what they're doing is coming, I think, from that frozen product is coming from the continent rather than the UK a bit more, which is okay. from a from a UK point of view always a, a challenge from our industry, and we don't want to be seeing that. Um, so what you're saying is Heath is not the supporting UK potato. not Wait, supporting British growers, and that's it. Yeah, I'm, 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 yeah, it's Australian growers probably. Yeah. <laughs> well, I just the hard thing is as an operator, you just want a consistent good product, and you don't want to yeah. be on the floor getting bollocked about your chips, mm. and it's something so small. But mm. you know, as the potatoes the new season comes out then we'll flip back to making our own but I just couldn't have a busy summer's period just rocking out shit potato crisps and people not uh, chips and not eating them it is fascinating isn't it and because that probably I mean, falls at the wrong time of year as well yeah so. I mean, we, 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 we look at this and you know, we, we're probably disproportionately focused on fish sorry Andy um, and, but the reality is it's just as complicated on the potato side yeah totally I mean you said it's not variable it is variable whether, I mean, is there any issues in terms of harvest going forward that, that operators should be aware of Alex yeah, I definitely think. I think we're, if we're looking short term right now, we've we've had a season of where I analyse the season in terms of growing. We've had a late planting season, um, which knock on effect is a loss of yield, and then we're now into a very wet, as we all know, very wet harvest time, which is causing no ends of problems in terms of harvesting the crops. A um, lot of water logging. There could be issues with crop storage. There's definitely going to be price fluctuations coming because of the market is going to be short because we're we're losing crops in the ground at the same time. So I think I think 
yeah, restaurateurs, pub chains, whatever, I think, yeah, you could be expecting to see a bit of volatility in the market coming forward, certainly as we go further what I call into the storage season so into the new year springtime that could get a bit trumpy uh, and Andy any any forecast looking forward on, on the fish side is there anything that should be on our, our listeners radars nothing in particular but just for operators to bear in mind that when we do talk about fish and chips we're sometimes a bit hung up on those traditional white fish species cod and haddock in the main mm. so in the UK we our, our consumers are fixated on five particular species: salmon, yeah. cod, haddock, bronze, and tuna. Mm. Uh, and yet, on any single day in the UK, not not necessarily available in one place, but combined, whether it be through restaurants, through retail, etc., you know, there's a hundred plus different species of fish and shellfish. Mm. Uh, they've all got different tastes, textures, properties. Uh, so the variety is just phenomenal, and I think that's the obviously the customer is king when it comes to dictating what they may be like. But there's a great opportunity in the pub sector for pub operators to try something different, to uh, maybe expand that uh, their menu offer. Often seafood we find uh, on a, a menu in a pub the scenario might only comprise ten or fifteen percent of the overall offer, but there is great potential you know to increase that so that you've got 30 40 percent coverage on your menu with regards to fish and shellfish species uh, all those strong points that play into uh, the world of seafood with regards to seasonality you know offering up a catch of the day telling stories about where the fish and shellfish is being sourced from there's phenomenal fantastic stories obviously to connect the source of those uh, food items to ending up on the the plate uh, in the UK, we are a, an island nation. We still have seafood hardwired into our DNA. Sometimes the consumers are losing their way with regards to understanding and knowledge of seafood. Mm-hmm. And, and one of the really strong points when it comes to pub and food, wider food service sector is that research always shows that consumers are often reticent to cook fish and shellfish at home. So they don't want to take the risk of often watching something that they've paid a fair bit of money to buy. Mm. Uh, and fish is the ultimate fast food, you know, it's easy to prepare. So many consumers make a mess of it. But for that very reason, they're really trusting when they eat out of home. Mm. And they all fish and shellfish, their choice over and above another protein. So I think that's a really strong point to remind pub operators that there is a, a willingness for consumers to enjoy fish and shellfish out of home. If you mm. put it on the menu, yeah. our research those that people will will choose absolutely brilliant well we are out of time guys but uh, thank you very much for that some really interesting thoughts there listening to the Lock In podcast with myself, Ed Bennington, Nikki Thatcher and Heath Ball. We're talking about fish and chips and pubs and we're going to take a look at the sustainability question now. I'm delighted to welcome two top guests to join us on that. Phil Taylor of Open Seas and Lauren Hiller of our commercial manager with the Marine Stewardship Council. So, folks, thanks for joining us. Um, Lauren, let's let's start with you. I mean, how sustainable is, is fish and chips as, a, as an offer at the moment? 
Well, that's a, that's a good question. Um, it depends on where you go, I suppose, and, and what you're actually eating and what you're looking for. So I work for the MSC, the, the Marine Stewardship Council, um, and we are an environmental standard setter for seafood sustainability. So mm. we run an eco-labelling programme, I guess similar to fair trade-ish, uh, but for wild-caught seafood. So essentially what that means for a consumer when they're purchasing a product with the blue MSC eco-label, they could be confident it's come from a well-managed, sustainable fishery. Um, so in terms of fish and chips, what uh, we would encourage is that, you know, when you're out shopping, maybe if you want to cook fish and chips at home for a pub or a fish and chip shop, uh, looking for the blue MSC uh, eco-label is a way to be confident that your fish has been sustainably sourced and you can uh, continue to enjoy it for future generations. Fantastic. And, and Phil, what, what's, what's your take on that? How, how sustainable do you, do you see the sort of uh, the fish and chip offer in the UK? Uh, Lauren made the point that it's complicated, and it's complicated. Mm. It's really painful to work in conservation with this question. Mm. What can I buy? You always got to say, wow, it's more ask the questions. And that's what I've got to say to to you listeners, right? Um, You guys are in a really powerful position. When you can start to ask the questions of the the stuff that's coming through the the back door there, um, you need to be asking how stuff's being caught where it's coming from and I'd, I'd entreat everybody to try and create the best relationship they can with some of their local suppliers you know uh, and many fish and chip shops many many pubs that are specializing in seafood in the UK are based in coastal places right there's a real opportunity there to get to know what that supply chain looks like but critically we hide a lot of the problems in fisheries behind you know basically bulk stuff Mm. going into bulk going into wholesale we talk about a wasp wasted industry you've got lots of fishing boats you've got a couple of big processes not a couple but you know not many and then you've got loads of uh, outlets pubs right and it's those players in the middle where we need to be putting the pressure to try and start driving and incentivizing the changes up the way so for example cod Right? Yep. Cod is a really complicated one. It's become this totem. Now, cod in the UK, you know, I stay up in Scotland. The fish at the, the chippy here is haddock, right? We go for haddock over cod up here. But uh, cod is that mainstay of the fish and chips shops uh, and pub offering around the UK. Um, but our cod fisheries in the UK have been very poorly managed. And that includes at times when they were certified by the MSC. So the, the MSC, you know, gave the tick to the cod fishery for a while and then had to pull it back because there was overfishing taking place within that fishery. Now, the, the situation's complicated, right? And the, the, the actual stock assessments with that fishery are changing even this year. But a big part of the problem that exists there is, is through bycatch, right? The fish being caught in fisheries that aren't really targeting that fish and importantly, being caught when they're very, very small. Mm. So on the west coast of Scotland, <clears throat> a very high percentage, about a quarter of everything that's getting caught in that entire area, but in some areas it, it's much, much higher, are juvenile fish. The fish that's yet to even get into the adult population, even yet to repl- start to replace itself. That's the important thing here. But that can't be then uh, sold because it's too small. So it's going back over the back of the boat, dead. And it's just this massive food waste issue, mm. you know, that I think that your, your listeners will be so hot on, you know, the amount of pressure that we've all had in sort of, in, uh, you know, industries on, on, on food waste. But it's also a massive ecosystem issue, right? You think about the pressure that that's putting on the ecosystem. 
Uh, and it's something that was made illegal in 2013, or between 2013 and 2019, but there's not really ever been the pressure, the enforcement on that, mm. the fleet to actually in, in, sort of stamp this out. And that's created a real big problem. So, yeah, um, you know, I would ask that you, you can't just simply just buy cotton and then say, oh, that's fine, because there's a big problem associated with this. You need to look into how it's being caught and start being honest about that. Yes, your, yes. Your get, well. get to know your, your supply chain. I mean, I'm going to come back to you, Lauren, because I, I, you pulled a face and I, I will let you have a run. <laughs> get, get your point in. Heath, I mean, do you do much in terms of your uh, thoughts around sustainability when it comes yeah. to sourcing your fish? Do you know your suppliers? Yeah, I do. I, I work closely with Flying Fish down in Cornwall. Uh, down in, yeah, Cornwall. They're really good. Um, but you know, I always think fishing isn't sustainable. I think mm. the hard reality is we're overfishing and it's, I can't see it being that, you know, look, we, we the oceans are getting screwed every day. I just don't think it is sustainable. But you know, at the so same time, I'm commercial. You're, you're still s- you're still offering that. <laughs> yeah, if, you, if you think that, yeah, I know. But it's but I'd be like that Where's with anything. Balls, man? Come on. Yeah, but I'd be like that with anything, though. You know what I mean? Like how, how, how much of what mankind does is sustainable? It's not. Mm-hmm. You know. So yeah, it's just it's just choosing supply. You know, we don't buy anything that's frozen from the North Sea and all that. Like up, you know, up, mm. you know, up that way. But um, you know, we buy fresh haddock and it's decent size and you know yeah. and we look after it Lauren what, what's, what's your thoughts come, come back on that yeah no it's an interesting point and I would probably come from a, a different perspective and, and you mentioned there that you know our, our oceans are under trouble and yet we know that, that um, uh, overfishing is a global challenge threatens the health of our oceans and that's really important because the demand for seafood is increasing you know mm-hmm. we're in a world where the population is growing many people rely on fish as a primary source of protein and you know particularly in the uk we love our, our fish and chips on on a friday um but you know we know that when fish uh you know when fisheries fish sustainably uh, we know it can have low environmental impacts it can support livelihoods and keep our oceans healthy and in fact if we fish sustainably we can actually be more productive in the long term so at the msc we're a pro-fishing organization pro-eating fish mm. and like i said when done sustainably we can be more productive um, and ensure the long term viability of fisheries around the world and those that rely on uh, fishing fisheries for their livelihood income and their you know food source as well I mean, you mentioned, uh, I think, Phil, you mentioned cod's a bit of a totem. You know, we, we, we hear a lot about cod, and, it, and it's sort of the, the, the thing that gets that's talked about the most. Is that a product that, that operators should consider sort of avoiding? I mean, Heath, you, you, you're going with haddock. Is that a deliberate choice? or? Uh... Yeah, but I always thought there was a problem with cod. You know what I mean? I remember the big dramas mm. with the cod overfishing. So, yeah, we chose haddock. You know? and, and is that is that a better choice for, for, for operators? Uh, Lauren or Phil, I don't know who wants to. Yeah, so thanks, Lauren. Um, yeah, I mean, I'd just like to say that, like, it's really sad to hear Heath say that. Mm. You know, like, you can't source, you can't, it's always uns- unsustainable. It's definitely not. And actually, like, uh, you know, he's a Kiwi, don't worry about it. Fisheries. <laughs> there's plenty of examples of fisheries that are sustainable and ways to make them sustainable. And, and you know, in, in fact, like, uh, we've got an opportunity here because it's a public asset. Mm. You know, the seas are a public asset and the fish in them are a public asset. It's unlike many other industries where we've got an opportunity to actually do things right uh, and do things right by the sea and the people and the consumers, right? Mm. So uh, we're also pro seafood, pro um, seas. Mm. 
Um, but uh, yeah, I mean, uh, the ones that I'd say to avoid, uh, we're running a, a campaign at the moment saying no to Scampi. Yeah. And that's because we've been trying to uh, force change into the Scampi uh, industry for a long time. And, and really that change has not been forthcoming and there's been many, many failures along the way. And I can get into the detail on that some more. And the other I'd say is avoid dredged scallops. You know, uh, I, I get that that's a sort of more high-end thing, maybe the starters, um, but it's, uh, you know, there is a there's an MSC there's a couple of MSC certified fisheries there's a good there's one in Canada that's a pretty decent model um, but uh, yeah out, out with um, out with Canadian MSC certified one I'd say that most of those fisheries are pretty damaging most damaging form of fishing in the UK caused massive harm to the seabed environment around the mm. UK and I mean we we, we whether this is relevant or not we hear a lot about farmed fishing as well as, as it was was certainly sort of put forward as a solution is, is that a solution but I understand that that has its own problems of pollution and concentration I mean it's it, it's doing what what we've done with agriculture within that aquamarine environment isn't it so is is that a solution who's that question Lauren to? do you want to take that one <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I yeah, I can definitely come in. Yeah, I mean, from my perspective, we sit, uh, we work more with wild capture fisheries. Mm. Um, so I'm not a, a farmed fish expert. Um, I think farmed fish will have a very important role to play uh, going forward in a, a world where there is a growing population. Uh, like like I said earlier, we know our oceans under are under threat. There are many fisheries around the world, wild capture fisheries, which are operating sustainably, mm. um, and they will have an important role in providing a healthy source of protein mm. but because that growing population farmed fish will become more prevalent in in retail and, and in food service as well you see it more in the supermarkets yeah. you see more farmed fish and that can be sourced responsibly if it's done the right way mm. um, we work with another organization our, our sister organization the aquaculture Stewardship <laughs> council and again that's like an independent verification that your farmed fish has been sourced responsibly mm. um, so that's what i would encourage uh, consumers to do and maybe just touching on a point earlier about what species are, are, are better to eat um, I think you know the reality is consumers in the UK we eat cod tuna haddock prawns and salmon those are our, our go-to five mm. we can eat those and we can eat them sustainably um, and like you know Phil said you know that's a great point have a conversation with your suppliers with you know the people you're buying your fish from just to see really where is it from and where is it come from and that's really important perfect okay and last bit of advice phil from you what would you say what would be your top tip to uh, to any operator looking to be a bit more sustainable on their on their fish choices talk to the supplier drop the scallops drop the scampi uh, and be honest with your, your customers if you could put on your menu instead of saying cotton chips say you know uh trolled cod landed here and chips right method species where yeah firstly you're going to start a conversation with your customers that's really going to engage really create that kind of uh you know identity for yourselves but also it's going to create that kind of uh hopefully some of that um uh, loyalty of customers that you might benefit from um but also it's going to start cracking open those questions of sustainability and where the problems lie I'd really recommend just being honest, really open about where stuff's coming from. Brilliant. Okay, guys, well, we are out of time, but thank you very much for that. You're listening.
listening to the Lock In Podcast and we are at the end of this episode and we've learnt a lot about fish and chips. So, uh, anything caught you off guard? Oh, that? for Christ's Pete? sake. Uh, scales fallen from your eyes? No. No, God. Am I fishing too hard for puns? Oh, yes. It's terrible. So, come on, what have we learned? What, what do we think? Well, the potato part was really interesting. Mm. Yeah, because we didn't talk a lot about potatoes. We should have really. talked more about potatoes because we talk about the wild fish and, you know, and all that, mm. blah, blah, blah. But, you know, potatoes is a massive factor in fish and chips. And mm. like we were talking about, I, I, we had that turn and see, you know, when that season changes and it's a real struggle. So, it's maybe next time we do one on fish and chips we talk about well, potatoes and chips potatoes and, potatoes and chips yeah interesting but it's interesting yeah it was interesting you know how different operators handle it yeah and nothing else I mean are you is it, is it going to make you address your uh, utter failure to be more sustainable on your fish choices or? yeah but I think we're using like haddock and then you know like, I was, was going to ask the guy what he's you know all the 100 varieties we could use and mm. you know you see I was in a pub the other day and they just said fish and chips white fish and chips you're like what, what, what are you using <laughs> you know what I mean like what is that could shark because be yeah. in New Zealand we eat shark and it's like you know what do you do so you eat shark in New Zealand yeah. is that illegal yeah. shark's fin soup is that yeah sometimes it pops up <laughs> um, but yeah like what do you, you know like you can look at other options but we use haddock and but you know how sustainable is it mm. and then oil's an interesting one yeah yeah yeah, yeah oil yeah. tripping you know yeah but, um I mean, you're using beef dripping. You're uh, happy with that choice, particularly your vegetarian customers. Yeah, I'm but sure we don't. Well, yeah, but so vegetarians mm. don't eat fish, man. Mm. Yeah, mm, true. Okay, just keep up. They might eat the chips, though. No, the chips. We uh, we have another fry for that. Uh, okay, okay. I'll, I'll let you. No, hang on. Vegetarian pescatarians. Uh, vegetarians yeah. do eat fish, don't they? It's a ve- no, vegan. Pe- no. Yeah, vegetarians. vegetarians don't eat fish. No, don't that eat is fish. called a pescatarian. Oh, so I okay. know a lot of people that say they're Or a fussy oh, eater. A lot of people yeah. that I know say they're vegetarians and they eat fish. They're well, they're not, not a vegetarian, they're a pescatarian. Fucking <laughs> 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 state of the country. Jesus Christ. It's the education levels these days. Mate. Yeah, I'm a vegetarian, mm. but I eat fish. We can, but bream. My mate, my mate Marcus, as you all know, it, mm. we went through a spell of being a vegetarian, but every time we went to a greasy spoon, he'd have it with bacon, the veggie breakfast with bacon. <laughs> and he used to get some very funny looks. I remember I mean, we ran a story quite a few years ago now about how many vegetarians, it was something about how many vegetarians when they're drunk have a bacon sandwich and oh, it was quite a lot of them. Yeah. Made me laugh. Yeah. I mean, we've moved off topic sorry, slightly sorry. here uh, from fish to bacon, but maybe it's time to uh, draw a line under this episode. Uh, I could come up with more fish puns if you like. And, no. Uh, no, but there was one thing else I was going to say. Oh, sorry. Go on then. Go so on. when we were talking earlier and throughout, I was thinking... Like during maybe during COVID, but over the last couple of years, there was a big thing on TikTok about a fish and chip shop. Do you remember the Binley yeah. Mega Chippy? Yes. We should have gone there. And what did they do? Didn't they do something? So like they did fish and they did just fish and chips, and for some reason, I, I'll keep trying to find it, but they just went viral. Did they do it cheap TikTok. or something? No, it was just people it, standing outside the, the people shop. People just queuing, there? and there was a song. Was there a song? It yeah. went Binley Mega Chippy. How's it going again? Binley Mega Chippy. <laughs> I mean, I can never get enough of that. Uh, I and can't imagine why that, that dropped off the uh, off the radar there. But, uh, yeah, I think generally speaking, we probably shouldn't have done that. So we probably made the right decision. No, I think yeah, it, it, it wouldn't be in London, would it? It's going to no, be no. Like it's in mild. Coventry. Oh, you're great. No, sunny Coventry. No, and we are we're, we're recording this at the Gatehouse in in Highgate, the uh, the best pub in Highgate. Um, <laughs> you're such a wanker. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but we won't go into why uh, we're doing that. Uh, it's a very sad story. So, 
that is it uh, for this fishy episode of the Lock oh, In Podcast. That was not, that wasn't a, it, it was a fishy episode. We were talking about fish. Oh, right. Uh, okay. I've got the dud headphones again. How do I always get the dud headphones? It's deliberate. Yeah, I can't hear you. I mean, God. we can hear you, so oh, unfortunately. Sorry, it's not working. That is it. Thank you all for listening, all six of you. If you've enjoyed it, like, share, and spread the word. Promise teeth I'll buy the pint when we hit double figures. Uh, but for now, that's it. We'll be back next time with some more vaguely pub-related content. And the old rant. Until then, dear listener, goodbye. Goodbye. Bye.